everybody. Welcome to episode 18 of The Book Cougars, two middle-aged women on the hunt for a good read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. And we are sitting on my porch here in Guilford, Connecticut, so you might hear a little bit of background sound of lovely birds and trees and, uh, you know, dog maybe. Yeah, a dog barking, an airplane flying overhead, a motorcycle, so <laughs> hopefully you can hear day. us. Yeah. yeah, and you might hear a scream if the big skunk comes along. There's a huge huge skunk living in the neighborhood that I saw the other day. <laughs> this sucker is like like three feet long. It's oh huge. My God. It looked like a Muppet flopping along the side <laughs> of the road. It's huge and hairy. I love skunks. I just oh. don't want to happen to meet one yeah. face to face. I definitely don't want to meet one on my morning walk. Yeah. 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 Big, big boy. Yeah. Anyway, Thanks for the okay. warning. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> but Chris, you had a follow-up on Hillbilly Elegy. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that Ron Howard bought the film rights to Hillbilly Elegy. And I'm not sure if it's in production yet or mm. what the status is, but look for that probably within the next couple of years in your theaters. Yeah, interesting. That'll be really interesting to see the take on that. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been such a... It's been a book we've discussed many times, and I've seen it in discussion with other people, so it'll yeah. be interesting to see what Ron Howard does with it. Absolutely, so. yeah. And I had a little follow-up. I think on episode 17, I mentioned um, Jamie Ford's new book, Love and Other Consolation Prizes, and I mentioned that it's a short story collection, and that is false. It is a work of fiction, and it's just one story. So I apologize if I caused any confusion with that for anybody. Right. So Thanks for clarifying that. Yeah. All right. So Jess read? Yeah, I think we have a joint read, don't we? Do. we? I listened to this book. And I read it. You read it. Yeah. And it's Hunger, A Memoir of My Body by Roxane Gay. Yeah. And I loved it. I did, too. I listened to it in the car. I had to drive up to Maine and back in a day. And I was gripping the steering wheel at times. I had to realize, like, whoa, sit back, relax. Yeah. Listen to it. It's a very intense story. And she reads it, right? Yes. She narrates it, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I had, I was en route to Ohio last week, and I had four books in my backpack, real books, not e-reader books, and then I walked by the bookstore and saw that Hunger had been released and was like, oh, got to do it. And I was not sad that I did because it was a fantastic book, but also I had a day of flight delays and I read it mm-hmm. in the day of, of flights. So, um, so I actually wanted, if you would indulge me, to just read a short chapter. One of the interesting things about the book is there's a lot of little tiny chapters. Mm -hmm. I really like her writing style. Um, So this is chapter 41, and it really spoke to me, um, and I just thought I would share it with everybody to give you a little taste of what the book is like. I hate myself, or society tells me I am supposed to hate myself, so I guess this, at least, is something I am doing right. Or I should say I hate my body, I hate my weakness at being unable to control my body. I hate how I feel in my body. I hate how people see my body. I hate how people stare at my body, treat my body, comment on my body. I hate equating my self-worth with the state of my body and how difficult it is to overcome this equation. I hate how hard it is to accept my human frailties. I hate that I am letting down so many women when I cannot embrace my body at any size. But I also like myself, my personality, my weirdness, my sense of humor, my wild and deep romantic streak, how I love, how I write, my kindness and my mean streak. It is only now, in my 40s, that I am able to admit that I like myself, even though I am nagged by the suspicion that I shouldn't. For so long, I gave in to my self-loathing. 
I refuse to allow myself the simple pleasure of accepting who I am and how I live and love and think and see the world. But then I got older and I cared less about what other people think. I got older and realized I was exhausted by all my self-loathing and that I was hating myself, in part because I assumed that what other people expected from me, as if my self-hatred was the price I needed to pay for living in an overweight body. It was much, much easier to just try and shut out all of that noise and to try and forgive myself for the mistakes I made in high school and college and throughout my 20s, to have some empathy for why I made those mistakes. I don't want to change who I am, I want to change how I look. On my better days, when I feel up to the fight, I want to change how this world responds to how I look because intellectually, I know my body is not the real problem. On bad days, though, I forget how to separate my personality, the heart of who I am, from my body. I forget how to shield myself from the cruelties of the world. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And one of the things that I found really touching about this section, Chris, is just thinking about the book cougars and how we're middle-aged. And I thought the fact that she turned 40, you know, kind of allowed her to finally look at all of this and to write this memoir, right. which was a really difficult thing to face. Yeah. It's, you know, it's interesting being middle-aged because when I was in my 40s, that's when so much transformation happened. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I got the news when I was in my 40s that I couldn't run anymore, which is something I love to do. And my body has changed a lot since then. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think, like, I... I like myself. Mm -hmm. Like, I love myself. And life is still such a great exploration, such a great adventure. And I just wish more women could get to that point in their lives earlier. Yeah. Instead of having to go through the anguish that is adolescence and then young adulthood. Yeah, and your 30s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, and, I, and I thought the part about, you know, just getting to, your, to, the, to the part of empathy and forgiveness of your own self and your own trespasses you know and she had a horrible event occur which is part of why she has built the fortress she has in her body and she really talks about that in this memoir and purposefully doing it to be a stronger bigger presence in the world yeah you know? somebody that men wouldn't look at in that way that she could protect herself in that right. way because she was gang raped when she mm -hmm. was 12, 12 years old. Yeah. Yeah. So never told her parents, never told her parents about what had happened and lived with that for decades. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And and the thing that I love about Roxanne Gay's writing is that she can write about things that are so painful and painful events, painful emotions and forgive herself and be gentle with herself, but yet also not let other people off the hook. Mm hmm even though she's not accusing anyone. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a fine line that she walks, and her writing makes it seem like it's not even a line, mm -hmm. that it's just this beauty of, of life, including the horrors of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I said that very well. No, you but did. And, and I also think she's, you know, we talked about this off mic, you know, I think she's really brave, and I think that brave can be a loaded term, but what I mean by that, and I think she even mentions it in the memoir that she doesn't like people to say that about her. But what I mean by that is that she's out in the world. Mm -hmm. And she's in a body that's hard to be out in the world in. But yet she's on airplanes all the time. And she's right. doing book tours. And she, you know, is 
in the spotlight and on television, and she deals with a lot of hate. Absolutely. A lot of hate. Daily. Uh, you know, especially the cowards that are on, you know, social media like Twitter anonymously. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. 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 But she doesn't stop. She doesn't right. let that stop her. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I really find that admirable and brave. Absolutely. You yeah. Know? Me too. So, yeah. yeah. It's a great, great memoir. And I think it's going to be one that really changes the, the conversation that we have in the world about bodies mm-hmm. and weight. Yeah. And, you know, as she said, you know, she is obese and her friends worry about her. She, you know, is concerned about her health, too. Mm-hmm. And she talked about the difficulties, though, of even going to the doctor when you're morbidly obese. That the doctor... You know, they don't, you know, follow their Hippocratic oath of first do no harm. Mm-hmm. They have a harmful conversation from the get-go. Mm-hmm. And they don't even see her as a person who right. came in with this particular complaint that they need help with. Mm-hmm. They focus in on her body immediately. Right. She might go because she broke her wrist. Right. And they're going to talk about something else right away, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, Yeah. Yes. And I think that happens to women in general. Mm-hmm. I think we all are aware of that, mm-hmm. that women are not heard, they're not listened to, they're dismissed, their pains and aches are dismissed, mm-hmm. or they're attributed to psychological problems. Yeah. So I, there's so much to talk about in this book. And it's a pretty short book. It is. Um, yeah. But very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt like not a single word was out of place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was very well thought out, very well edited, yeah. very well written. Absolutely. You know. Yeah, and to say that, I, as I said to, to somebody in reply on social media, to say the memoir is powerful, it sounds lame yeah. to say that it's powerful, but there are no words in yeah. some ways. Yeah. I was wrapped. I mean, I opened it and I was standing in lines and reading it, you know, I... Thank God I didn't sit down next to anyone chatting on the airplane. I mean, I just was turning pages. I yeah. could not stop. And I had, in, in honor of, of her who loves pink, Roxanne loves pink, I got these little pink Post-its, and I was, I mean, you should see my book. It's, like, covered with Post-its because I just found quote after quote yeah. that I wanted to write down from it. Right, and that's why I, I listened to the audio version, yeah. and I kept thinking, like, oh, I need to get the hard copy yeah. of this so I can underline and put my sticky notes places too because it is just such a story and and she taught she starts it starts current day Mm -hmm. and it goes back in time and it talks about the experience she had and then her years after that from her adolescence high school college eventually going back to school grad school grad school she took some time off for Mm -hmm. a while but so it's kind of tracing her experience mm-hmm. of her hunger, mm-hmm. as she calls it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And her family, too. Like, I think she's very graceful with her family. Mm-hmm. You know, she does call them yes. out on some things, but yeah. she's still, again, very understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're human beings. Yeah. Um, she also has really been on the talk show circuit and just on the book tour circuit, and I highly recommend her interview with Terry Gross on Fresh Air. It was a really good interview. I didn't listen to that yet. Yeah. I didn't get to that yet, but, yeah. You know. And I thought I'd just leave us with one, the one last quote that I wrote down where she said, I know that hunger is in the mind and the body and the heart and the soul. Mm-hmm. I think that sums it up really well. Yeah. So Hunger, A Memoir of My Body by Roxanne Gay. And that just came out last week. Yeah. Yeah. All right, what else do you have? I read a book that we, I got at Book Expo, so it's an ARC. 
which means it's not coming out for a little while. I apologize. It actually doesn't come out till February of 2018. Ooh. I know. <laughs> wah, wah. I'll, I think we should try to remind people when these books come out. But, uh-huh. you know, you can also, if you use Goodreads, you can put it on your TBR, which is nice. Yeah. Um, but Tayari Jones also does have some other books out. So, you know, did I say what it was called? An American Marriage by Tayari Jones. Um, she has also the book Silver Sparrow and The Untelling and Leaving Atlanta. This is a really interesting book. It's, it's her reaction kind of to race relations in America right now through the lens of marriage. And um, this book broke my heart on page 34. Oh. Just broke my heart. I haven't had that happen in a long time. Yeah. I don't want to give it away too much, but what I will say, it's about a, a marriage between um, a woman named Celestial and a man named Roy. And Roy is wrongly accused of a rape and is put in jail. And so it's it really looks at... Um, that whole, you know, the prison system through that lens, not like it doesn't go in depth of what happens to them in prison, but just people who are in prison who are falsely accused. But then it really looks at the the fallout of the other people who are affected by that because they're scooped out of their life and the relationships they have in the world that mm-hmm. they were living in. One day they were living it and the next day their life changed because they were falsely accused. Yeah. Um, it's part epistolary in nature in that once he's in prison, Roy and Celestial are writing letters to each other. And I have a fondness for books right, that have yeah. the epistolary component. Um, I love The Color Purple by Alice Walker because there was mm-hmm. a lot of letter writing in that. Um, so again, it's you know an interesting lens on race, on the overcrowding of prisons with African-American men and um, the fallout that occurs with the people around them. And it doesn't come out till February 2018, wow. An American Marriage by Tyari Jones. So what made you read that one out of all of the books that we got at BEA? <laughs> and, and your list here at the house, like, yeah. what drove you to that one? Because as... I loved Silver Sparrow. Okay. I read Silver Sparrow for the first Booktopia event I went to in Santa Cruz, and I met Tyari Jones, and I had the pleasure of having breakfast with her at the hotel restaurant Mm -hmm. that I was staying at and um, I follow her on Facebook so I've been watching the progression of this novel so to get to Book Expo and get it in my hands was like okay finally and I honestly didn't look at I'm not used to having arcs this is my first experience I know you as a blogger you know you've done this for years but it didn't even occur to me to look and see you know when it was released so when I was deep into it I was like (laughs) I'm not going to stop now, but I feel sorry for people listening on the podcast. <laughs> so, um, so again, though, she's got three other books out. I yeah. highly recommend them. And um, maybe we'll try to come up with a system where we can remind people when, yeah. when the date comes mm-hmm. that these are being released. Because yeah. I think I've got more um, arcs in my future because I've got stacks of them from Book Expo. Excellent. So, yeah. Very cool. Well, I finished The Gypsy Moth Summer by Julia Fierro, which is the book I mentioned last time that I had been reading and had put it aside to read something else. Um, I'm so glad I got back to it. I loved this book. I just really loved it. Check it out. It's available now. I think it's a perfect summer read. Not that it's light. I, you know, I don't have the same... I, I, like, when people hear summer read or beach read, they think light reading. Mm-hmm. I don't mean that at all. I, I tend to think a lot of people have the time to focus on a book more. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think about summer mm-hmm. reading. 
That's interesting. I think of it as kind of that they're page turners in the Mm -hmm. sense that you can kind of get lost in them, but they don't have to be light reads by any sense. But it's like that summer isn't necessarily the time I want to tackle, you know, like a super difficult read. That's kind of how I feel about summer. Interesting. Yeah. And see, sometimes I have tackled hard reads in the summer Mm because I know I have the time. Mm -hmm. Because I... I love all the seasons, but summer is my least favorite season. Oh, I don't do well in hot weather. Yeah, I don't like you heat. know. So yeah. usually I might uh, hole up inside or at the beach and just sit there and not be walking around yeah. in the heat. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the Gypsy Moth Summer is awesome. Check it out. I think I've talked about it in the past. So mm-hmm. I won't you go did. into great detail yeah. now. Yeah. So great, good, good read. Did you read anything else? Well, sadly, I had another DNF uh, that did not finish. Um, Technically, I did, but it was a skim, and I can't call it that I read it. Um, It's a book that is getting a lot of positive attention right now. It's The Essex Serpent by Sarah Perry. And I have to say I'm, like, surprised that I didn't just devour the book. I had a hard time getting into it, and then I got into it, and it was going well. And somewhere like about the 60% marker. So I just, I, I realized like, oh, I'm just kind of bogged down in this. It's, I, I, I wasn't engaged with any, any of the characters. It didn't feel 19th century to me. You know, and I mm-hmm. love a good historical fiction, especially yeah. in the 19th century. So I ended up just kind of heavily skimming it um, towards the end. She is a beautiful writer in a lot of ways. Uh, but I just... Didn't get into didn't it. Didn't work for yeah, you. Yeah, didn't work for me. And I know, like, people I know have been raving about yeah, it. for sure. So, I have seen so many raves. And I've seen raves from people who got it from England before it was available right? here. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, but, you know, we've talked about this before. Sometimes it's just time and place right. for you with a book. And sometimes it's just just isn't speaking to you. And for me, there's definitely the, the problem with hype. When people have hyped something up, then I set my expectations super high. Right. And that can be problematic. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So anyway, check it out. The Essex Serpent, Sarah Perry. It is out now in the, the United States. It just came out, I think, last month or so. Yeah. 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 Great. Well, currently reading, I um, just went to Ohio to visit a friend who unfortunately is very ill. And before I left, she asked me, um, she said, I really want you to read to me when you get here. So I have been reading this book that um, I think is kind of perfect for a situation like this. It's called This I Believe, Life Lessons. And what it is, is it's kind of based on the Edward R. Murrow idea back in the day where they asked people to write their personal credos and they were to be 600 words or less. Mm. So this book is based on that idea, and so it's people from all walks of life who are writing kind of from different various, you know, things that have happened in their lives or just perspectives they have on life about what they believe. And so they're super short reads. I mean, it takes probably like five minutes Mm -hmm. to read something that's 600 words or less. So it's perfect for my friend who's, you know, on quite a bit of medication and kind of in and out. So it's not like when I pick up next time, she doesn't have to remember what we were reading before, you know. Mm -hmm. And I got about 60% through the book when I was there. And then what I've been doing now is just reading an essay a morning and just texting it to her. That's awesome. So I highly recommend this. Like if if you're going to visit somebody that's convalescing or just someone who might not have the best, longest attention span for some reason, 
Um, it's a really nice, and it's also a nice book to have on your nightstand mm -hmm. and just read every day. You know, again, I'm doing, I happen to be doing that now because I'm doing it for my friend, but I'm finding it's like a nice little shot in the arm every morning. Very you cool. Know? Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. So again, this, I believe, Life Lessons, and it's edited by Dan Gediman, Mary Jo Gediman, and John... Gregory. I love being read to. Yeah. I don't know if I told you before. Did I ever tell did I tell the story already? Correct me if I have one. Laura used to record books for me. No. She I had uh when I was one of the jobs I had at Borders was as a district marketing manager and the territory I covered was like northern Illinois and southern Wisconsin. So I did a lot of driving. And I love Sarah Waters. And back then, some of her books weren't available on audiobooks. So Laura actually read them onto cassette. And the first time she did it, it was so lovely. There was this, I, I'd get up early and, and leave the house, um, and she'd have the little cassette there for Aww. me, a little note, and so that was so much fun That's to so have nice. that, to, to listen to as I was driving around. And for people who don't know, Laura is a performer. Yeah. So I'm sure that it was very well read <laughs> and was. enjoyable and yeah. entertaining. Absolutely. She could probably have a career as an audiobook narrator. She has a good voice. She does have a really good voice. And yeah. when we'd go on road trips, I can't read in the car. I just get I get car sick, but oh. she can read in the car. Oh. It works out great because I love to drive, yeah. And she's a really good navigator. Perfect. So she'd read the book nice. when we were driving. We used to go to North Carolina all the time, and oh. we'd pick a book to read. Yeah, and that that'd be yeah. a lot of fun too. So oh, how nice. Yeah. yeah. So what am I reading? I am reading. I'm reading a book I picked up at. Be uh, Book Expo, too. I almost said BEA, Book yeah. Expo. And it is New Haven Noir. Mm. It is from Akashic, Akashic Books, I think is how you pronounce it. It's edited by Amy Bloom, oh. who is a local local author here. Um, and New Haven Noir is part of the series of... They take a city, and then they have mystery stories by authors who are familiar with the area or from the area or who visited frequently. A story set in the town. That's that so way. cool. So this is New Haven Noir. It actually comes out August 1st, so I am a little bit ahead of ahead of the curve reading this one. Um, and I, what I love is... Um, so I know a couple of the writers who are in this book. One of them is Jessica Spears, and I... Knew when she was just going to explore the area of New Haven where she was going to set her story. So it's neat to know, like, from the beginning of when she first was on assignment to write the story to now reading the story and seeing it in the book is pretty cool. And hers takes place um, near the docks, the food terminal area. And I was going to read the first page or two. Are you into that? Yeah. Can I do that? It. Okay. So the title of the story is Second Act, and it's by Jessica Spears. It was the way her hand hovered around the deli case that first caught his eye. It fluttered back and forth like a butterfly caught in a moment of indecision. Her palm finally came to rest between the salami and the tuna salad, and her fingers lightly tapped, tapped, tapped on the glass window case. Come on already, pick something, would ya? I want to order a sandwich and get back on the road, groused the trucker behind her. Jimmy saw the heat rise in her cheeks and planted his meaty fists on the countertop. Leave the lady alone. I'm sure McDonald's can wait a couple extra minutes for your delivery. Take your time, miss. Don't let this bum rush you. The trucker angrily tugged on his blue Ferrelli sausage cap. Screw you, Jimmy. The taco trucks have better food than this place does. Sure, if you like chowing down on crappy corn cakes filled with mystery meat, try not to choke on the truck fumes coming from I-95 while you stand there eating your lunch. 
Annabelle's eyes lowered, and she drifted off into thought. She didn't say a word, although she knew the food trucks they were talking about. Parked on a thin strip of asphalt along the waterfront, they resembled a flock of exotic birds with their colorful array of plume-like flags and flashy yellow, green, and red exteriors. The pulsating sounds of salsa and mariachi music blared from their speakers most of the day and into the night. She'd been drawn to them one evening after rehearsal. Their siren song had lured her past Ikea, under the highway overpass, and onto Long Wharf Drive, where the sun was beginning to set. It hung in a fiery ball above a group of white petroleum storage tanks, round as moon pies, that lay across the sound. She had walked past the semi-trailers and parked cars to where a crowd had gathered. Truckers and New Haven college students stood in separate groups laughing and talking as they ate quesadillas and burritos topped with bright green salsa. One college boy had looked at her askance as she joined the end of the line. I'll take two tacos, please, Annabelle said upon reaching the front of the food truck. What kind do you want? asked the young girl leaning outside the window. Oh dear, I don't know. I don't eat Mexican food all that much. Her mind drew a blank as she studied the menu board. What she wanted to do was turn and run. Try a pork wine. They're nice and juicy tonight, whispered a voice in her ear. Spinning around, she saw a trucker standing beside, behind her, his t-shirt stretched tight across his chest and his nipples erect from the wind whipping across the sound. His golden tooth caught the last rays of light, gleaming bright as hidden treasure. Trust me, they're so moist, you're going to be begging for more. It's a good night to try things you've never had before. He leered at her, and she did as he said. Give her a beer, too, he added. That was the first of many drinks Annabelle had that evening. My name is Tony Corona. You know Corona, like the beer? It was the last thing she remembered him saying. The next morning, she woke up in a strange bed. Oh, <laughs> I I just love the beginning. Yeah. So I, I'm confused though. So it's a. I mean, I love that. Like I know exactly where all that's right, taking place, which yeah. is so fun. But is so it's it's a it's several different authors and it's short stories. Yeah, it's writing. a collection of short stories. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I Sorry if I didn't part. make no, that clear. No, I think you might have. I missed that part. Yeah. Okay. So some of the writers: uh, Michael Cunningham, Roxana oh. Robinson, Stephen L. Carter, Jim Crowley, Amy Bloom, Alice Madison, Chris Knopf. Sarah Pemberton Strong, Karen E. Olson, who I read one of her books last year, mm -hmm. um, Jessica Spear, Chandra Prasad, David Rich, Lisa D. Gray, and Hirsch Sawani. And Hirsch, he wrote that book that I talked about, South Haven. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. was really awesome. Oh, how cool. I've only read two of the stories so far, but I just love reading stories where I know the setting. And I just, I like that opening a lot about the food trucks. Yeah. Over there, the taco yeah. trucks, as we call them. Yeah, so, which we drive by all the time all if the you're time. in 95. And I, you know, and I mean, she mentioned the evening crowd of truckers and mm -hmm. college students. I meet one of my friends there during the day, okay. and we get tacos and sit by the water. It's great, because um, you can sit on these big rocks that are yeah. right there, the erosion control. Yeah. So it's a lot of fun. Nice. And it's really, they're cleaning it up a lot. It's actually set up now for the food trucks. Even right, just when I moved here three years ago, it was it was just kind of like a dirty pit yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So nice. now it's much more of a festive, cleaner area already well, just in the couple yeah. of years we've been here. Well, food trucks are so. popular, you know. Totally. And it's all Mexican food there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think, I haven't seen anything else there. But in Yale, or near Yale, right by the medical college, they have a street there with a lot of different food carts from 
you know, foods all over the world, yeah. which are awesome. I know. I tried to find it one day and couldn't, but I know it exists. Yeah, I'll take you. Yeah, we'll I would there. love that. Chow down. Joint John. Totally. <laughs> Doesn't always have to be about books. <laughs> I love food too. Hey, we could peek in the library. Actually, since it's right by the medical school, the medical library is there. Oh, we should go yeah. in and look at their collection of brains. Oh God, that sounds. Yeah. Could we do that? After we after whatever is or good for what's you. better before or know. after when do you want to look at brains full stomach empty stomach it doesn't bother me <laughs> I was watching Orange Is the New Black yesterday the fifth season and I'm sitting there eating I got my Thai food because which uh-huh. I always get after I get my hair done and I'm sitting there and there's blood splattering and everything and Laura's like oh my god she's like I can't believe you're eating and watching that <laughs> it just doesn't bother yeah. you that's because you've read so much about uh, blood splatter as we've talked about in the past it's not real I know yeah. you know yeah. Anyway, yeah. so I could yeah. eat and okay. watch the brain. Pre brain, after brain, yeah. it doesn't matter to you. Good to know. <laughs> well, I um, am reading The Immortalists by Chloe Benjamin. This has been talked about on the podcast a few times already because it's the book that Michael Kindness recommended as the book to come. And um, I can't remember when it comes out. I think it too it's might another, be in 2018. I think it might Sorry. be January, maybe. Yeah. And um, I have about 20 pages to go, which I couldn't get oh, okay. done before we recorded. So you'll hear more about this one okay. um, in our next episode. All right. Excellent. Oh, to back up a bit, Jessica Spirit, I wanted to mention one of her other books. Winged Obsession is the name. It's the story of the world's most notorious butterfly smuggler. Mm-hmm. And that's been optioned for a film, too. Oh, fun. That's a real, if you're looking for some good nonfiction that reads like... A mystery. Well, it is a mystery, um, but it is about this man who was a notorious butterfly smuggler. Wow. Made me totally think about butterflies and bugs in a different way. Huh. Um, and that, again, it's winged obsession. And Jessica also wrote a, a series, um, mystery series, called the Rachel Porter series, which is about a, a woman who is with the food, and I'm sorry, not the food, the fish and game. Admin- I can't think of my... Yeah, fish and game, right? Yeah, I think yeah, it might even be fish them. game wild by something. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I don't know how many books were in that series. I've read a couple of those. Are interesting oh, as well if you're into animals, because each book deals with a different type of animal smuggling type situation. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh. Kind of like Nevada bars, where each mysteries are set in a different national park. Mm-hmm. Are you reading anything else? I have one other. You know what? I am not. I had a hard time deciding what to read after my DNF experience. Mm-hmm. And then after after reading Hunger by mm, Roxanne Gay, too, it's just like, wow, I just needed yeah. a couple of days yeah. off yeah. after that. So that was a I lot didn't to read digest. anything for a couple days. No pun days. intended. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm doing another read and send to somebody, which I've never done before, so it's ironic that I'm doing it in two cases. My sister, um, in November of 2016, suffered a pretty bad concussion. And she has not been able to read using her eyes since then, but she's been enjoying audiobooks quite a bit. And um, the other day I saw this book that I thought of her and I texted her and she said, you know, it's not available on audio in my library system. Would you be willing to read it to me and send it in pieces? So I've been doing it, which has been really fun because... She said the other day I was cooking dinner and my sister was reading to me. That's so. awesome. And it's called, it's a memoir and it's called The Tincture of Time, a memoir of medical uncertainty by Elizabeth L. Silver. And I believe, I mean, we really just got through the author's note so far, so I don't know that much about it. But um, I believe it's about this woman's 
daughter who was born and had a terrible illness of some kind when she became six weeks old, I think, and they couldn't figure out what it was. So it's her medical journey on that experience. And my sister's a doctor, I should have said. So I think that's why when I read about this, probably in the New York Times book review, Sunday book review, I was like, oh, Trisha, you need Mm -hmm. this book. So... So anyway, I'm reading it to her a little bit at a time every day in a file size that I can email. Awesome. That's great. Look at you. You're, you're starting a new profession yeah, too, right, potentially. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Audiobooks with Emily. Yes, yes. Emily reads. Because Emily loves to be read to so much <laughs> by authors. <laughs> Should we talk about some Biblio adventures we've been on? Yes, please. Um, I went to the Community Fund for Women and Girls annual meeting. Um, it was held at kind of a she-she spot in New Haven called the New Haven Lawn Club. It was quite beautiful. And it was... Um, the Women in, in Children's Fund is a fund that's part of the Community, the community Foundation for Greater New Haven. For those of you who don't know what community foundations are, they exist in many communities and their sole purpose is to fund nonprofits and the work of nonprofits in a particular community. Some will fund outside of their community, but for the most part, their mission and their charge is to support the local community. And um, there are also these funds for women, and sometimes this one is for women and girls, that are proving to be very successful in funding the work of nonprofits who are specifically doing work to support women and girls. And they're finding, and not to you know, be biased towards any men that we have that are listeners out there, but that women tend to know how to fund other women to support them. So, for example, one of the big nonprofits that this fund has been supporting is training for daycare providers. They offer, this one organization offers training so that women can formalize and become businesses. They're not just babysitters. I'm saying that with air quotes. You know, taking care of our children is one of the biggest, most important jobs that we have, and we don't often honor the work of these providers. Mm -hmm. So this nonprofit, you know, offers all sorts of information to these women in order to help them formalize their business structure. So what's interesting about the Community Fund for Women and Girls is that it's kind of in vogue right now for these funds to exist, but we in the Greater New Haven Community Foundation, this has been in existence for over 20 years, which is pretty amazing. So they have over $2 million in assets. Um, When they celebrated their 20th year, which was the year I moved here in 2015, they had Gloria Steinem come and speak at their annual meeting, so that was pretty exciting. So they had two amazing guest speakers at this event, and um, it was Linda Sarzor and Rebecca Traster. Linda Sarzor is um, a Muslim American woman. She wears a full hijab. She was, you might recognize her name. She was one of the organizers of the Women's March mm-hmm. on Washington. Um, and then Rebecca Traster is a political journalist, and she's also written two books. Big Girls Don't Cry, The Election That Changed Everything for American Women, and that's about the 2008 election. And then she has another book entitled All the Single Ladies, Unmarried Women and the Rise of an Independent Nation. 
the author Anne Lamott, which I'm sure many of you have heard of her, she calls Rebecca Traister the most brilliant voice in feminism in the country. Wow. Yeah. And, yeah, it is. And the, the subject of the evening was feminism, the common denominator. And I really liked the way they structured it because both Linda Sarzor and Rebecca Traister had time to address the audience directly. Mm -hmm. And then they set up like a conversational setting where a woman was the moderator and they really just talked about the state of feminism and what's happening in the country right now. That's great. And one of the things that they were both asked was, you know, you know, obviously we're in a tough time and women aren't being treated very well. And we're even seeing our congresswomen and senators being shushed yes. and shut down when they're trying to do their jobs, yeah. you know, and that's a very public way that we're seeing women, you know, not treated well. It, of course, happens in many other ways. We have, as they pointed out, a president who is accused of sexually assaulting who women. has proudly admitted he right. sexually assaults right. women. So it's kind of a sad time in yeah. the state. So, so the moderator asked them, you know, are there any silver linings? Is there anything we can look, look at? <laughs> And it was interesting because Linda Sarzor's reaction to that was very similar to what we heard Brian Stevenson say, where she was like, you know, be proximate to your neighbors, know your neighbors, you know, give money to organizations that are helping women, be informed about what's happening. And she said, have conversations with random people because it builds a human connection. Mm -hmm. And she talked a lot about what's happening now in the Muslim community being very similar to what happened in the United States with the Japanese internment camps. And she said she believes very strongly that if we know our neighbors and care about these people, if there is indeed a time where someone comes knocking on the door, perhaps there'll be some support for them and, you know, other people will stand up for their fellow citizens. Absolutely. So I thought that was really interesting. Rebecca Traister didn't have the same... She, she couldn't come up with, like, you know, oh, I've got this silver lining. Because mm. she said she sits in these politically charged settings all the time and is seeing, you know, nasty things happening all the time. I mean, we just recently saw where they shut down, you know, journalists aren't even allowed where they're supposed to be, right. you know, yeah. so that we as citizens can know what's happening in our government, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. U.S. press are kicked out, but yeah. foreign press are allowed right. in, which is just dangerous. So she said she's actually scared and angry, and it's hard for her to see a silver lining, but she did say that she's seeing innovation and attention being paid to the fact that when Trump was voted into office... A lot of people paid attention to the 53% of white women that voted for him. Mm -hmm. And she said that she's seeing people stop paying attention to that statistic because it's more important to look at the statistic of people who didn't vote. Mm -hmm. And that really, that 53% isn't a very large percentage mm -hmm. because it's not looking at the percentage of all the women and all the white women who didn't vote and all right. of that. And yeah. I thought, you know, that is a nice little spin and a little silver lining. Well, yeah, you know? to focus on getting the people who didn't vote to vote in the future. Exactly. To educate them on what yeah. the issues are. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great event, a great evening. Um, the one thing, other last thing I'll say is that Linda Sarzor, who's the, the um, American Muslim woman, since her involvement in the march, she has been threatened and her family has been threatened mm -hmm. so there was a police presence at this event which would not yeah. have been there if she were not attending mm -hmm. so very brave for her to continue to go out and pound the pavement and 
be willing to go to an event like this, which was really, you know, not in her daily work. But um, both of them were very well-spoken, and I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a great event. Yeah. 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 And And I also want to just shout out to people, if you have a community foundation in your neighborhood and you're looking for a place to donate money, um, it's community foundations are great. They vet a lot of the nonprofits in the area where you live, so Mm -hmm. you don't have to do that work. And they also, a lot of community foundations now have donor-advised funds, which means that you can give a lump sum of money if you don't know where you want to donate your money. In a particular year, you can give a lump sum to your community foundation, write it off, have your tax write-off, but then you can figure out how to donate it throughout the course of time. That's great. Yeah. yeah so that's a great system. Community foundations are fantastic. Very cool. Thank you for that. Sure. Yeah. Well, my uh, Biblio adventure, I went to see Linda Greenlaw. Hey! She was at RJ Julia. I'm still uh, chasing her. <laughs> she was hysterical. It was my first time seeing her. I was so happy that I went. Um, she was really funny. I, I didn't anticipate that. She talked about, and I should say it was a full house there too mm. at RJ Julia. They tend to have events either downstairs, which is the bigger event space, or upstairs for smaller events. And she was in the downstairs place, and it was packed. And there were quite a few men there. Sometimes it seems like that most of the events have a lot of women. Mm-hmm. This one seemed to have a higher percentage of guys. Um, but she talked about her life a bit. You know that at 19, she stepped on a swordfish boat and she fell in love. She started fishing for tuition. Mm. When she, she was an English major at Colby <laughs> College. And, you know, of course, people asked a lot of questions about the perfect storm. And she, she talked about that. And she said she'd lost... She has lost friends to fishing. It happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, the situation with the perfect storm wasn't the first time that happened. Um, and, you know, people asked how realis- real- realistic the movie was. And she said, you know what? It was really realistic up until the last scene, you know, mm-hmm. with that big wave. Yeah. Um, but she did say, she's like, the conversation she had with the other captain of the ship that went down, she's like, it was mundane it was like how are the fish mm-hmm. where are the fish biting that mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah um so nobody really anticipated what was to come mm-hmm. with that so after the perfect storm comes out the book comes out it's a big hit talk of the movie coming out she gets in from a fishing trip and there are tons of messages on her machine saying hey you know we read about you in sebastian younger's book would you be interested in writing a book and she kind of thought, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> I love the fish. <laughs> yeah, I'm a fisherwoman. <laughs> um, but then she eventually decided to give it a try because she thought, you know, I have so many friends who write who would kill to have an opportunity to have a publisher come to them and say, hey, you want to write a book? Yeah. She's like, and they're beautiful writers. She's like, they're much better writers than I am. She's like, but I, I gave it a shot. And she said she's really happy that she did. So she wrote, uh, that first one was The Hungry Ocean. Which was a bestseller, and she wrote, I think, three nonfiction books, and then she decided she'd try her hand at, at fiction. She thought, how, how hard could it be? You make shit up, right? <laughs> That's what she said, direct yeah. quote. And she's like, oh, my God. She's like, it was the hardest thing wow. she'd ever done was to write that first mystery fiction book and she's like and that's coming from commercial fishermen which is a really tough job to begin with so she talked about that and how with the the jane bunker is her mystery uh her sleuth's name that she really had to try hard to make her not herself you know she didn't want jane bunker to be her yeah um so some of the differences and 
you know, her, her humor sparkled forth when she was talking about that. Because, um, like, Jane Bunker had a hard childhood. Linda Greenlaw had a wonderful childhood. And as one of her friends quipped, in a long childhood. Mm. Like, as in implying it's still going on kind of thing. <laughs> Another thing, like, Jane is really frugal. And Linda uh, said that she, quote, spends like a drunken sailor and always has. You know? <laughs> so, just really kind of funny. But she talked about each of her novels. Like, Sugar Hitch is a type of knot. It's not used anymore. It was used in the old days to hold masts and stuff. She explained mm. that I had no idea what she was talking yeah. about, but it sounded really nautical and cool. <laughs> a lot of people in the audience were nodding. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that that was a knot. Uh, what else could I tell you about that? She She's married to a guy who is a boat builder, oh, which I didn't realize. I guess West Mac. And that was one of the questions from the audience was, what kind of boat does she use and what kind oh. of engine? Like, they oh. were getting this some technical stuff. Yeah. So that was quite funny to, to hear about all of that. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I could go on and on. Like, some of the cool things she talked about was somebody asked about fish. So in the 20, 30 years she's been fishing, how have the fish actually changed? Oh, so interesting. Swordfish specifically. And she said um, the use of fish used to average about 100 pounds, and now they're 200 or more. And they're attributing that to the uh, the invention and implementation of using a circle hook for that kind of fishing. You know, before they just used a hook that the fish would swallow and then die if, you know, because you couldn't get the hook out without killing the fish. So she said a lot of adolescent fish would die unnecessarily. Mm. And this circle hook was developed to protect sea turtles because it hooks on their, the lip of their mouth they don't swallow it. Mm. So now when they catch a turtle, they just unhook it and let it go. If they catch an adolescent fish, they just unhook it and let it go. So now fish are living longer and, and you know, now they're getting bigger. Right, <laughs> right? yeah. What I was gonna say. Interesting. But it was in, one of the women in the audience asked, you know, so what do we need, do we need to be concerned about mercury? Like, what do you have oh, to say about mercury yeah. in fish? And she said, you know, when it comes to swordfish, there there's trace mercury and everything, and, and all fish. She said, the thing is, the benefits of eating fish far outweigh any of those hazards. And she's like, you would have to eat hundreds and hundreds of pounds of fish every day for that mercury to make a difference in your body. Perfect. She's like, but just eating a little bit of fish every day makes such a huge difference because of the benefits of eating right, fish. So, right. you know, she did talk about that. Um, and it, Another thing she said, I guess there was, she was on a TV show about fishing. Have you heard about that? I guess it was on the Discover Channel. So this is a cautionary tale. She, I think it was on the Discovery Channel, but when she first agreed to this show, it was going to be a documentary on what it's like to be on a fishing boat. Mm -hmm. So she was miked for 60 days straight. And during the time of the recording of all of this, somebody else bought the rights to the recording and they transitioned everything into a reality TV show. Oh god. She's like, so yeah, oh god. <laughs> so everybody in the audience said. She's like, so the stuff that they pulled out, she's like, really? After sixty days, that's the most intelligent thing right. I had to say. <laughs> so they pulled out things to make things dramatic. Right. And to course. make somebody look like a idiot and somebody's mowing their lawn now. Yeah. So we might have to move inside. Yeah. 
Anyway, it was a great event. I'm so happy I got to meet her. Uh, that's so cool. I mean, I, I loved your picture. She just looks healthy, oh, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's really tan, healthy. Yeah. Um, obviously, she said that she writes about three or four hours every morning. Oh, wow. And then she goes out and checks her traps. Um, she lobsters. She does lobster fishing. I think May to June or July is her busy okay. season for that. And then she also does halibut fishing. Oh, yeah, um, I love halibut. You know, but as she said, you know, any another direct flow, any idiot can catch a lobster. Because <laughs> somebody did ask her, like, so what, you know, as a woman, commercial fisherman, you know, how is it for other women getting into the business? And, you know, she said, she's like, she's more on their radar now as a possibility for young girls and women to get into it. She's like, but it's a tough business for anyone to actually get into yeah. because of the licensing, mm -hmm. you know, and like people tend to really stay with it and there are only X amount of licenses. So, mm -hmm. you know, you have to wait for somebody to die basically yeah. to yeah. get into it. Wow. So that's a hard thing. But she cool. loves fishing. Cool. She loves riding too. But like, there's just something about fishing that has totally penetrated her soul mm. and you could just... She glows when she talks about it. And that's one thing she said, too. Her editors do not touch her boat scenes. She's like, they may rip apart other scenes, but when it comes to the boat stuff... That's her sweet they spot. Don't, they don't touch yeah. it, because, yeah. like, it's perfect. Sure, you know? yeah. Because she knows... Yeah, she's she lived it. about it so well. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. How fun. I'm so sorry I, I missed it. But I got to go to that other event. So, yes. you know, you Absolutely. can't be everywhere. Yeah, the book cougars sometimes have to split up. Divide and conquer. Yes. Divide and conquer? Yes. That's not an appropriate use of that, is that? I think it is. Divide and see more events. Yes, that's, that's right. We're not pleasant. conquering. Yeah, that's right. No conquering. Divide here. and enjoy. <laughs> All right. So I guess we're going to go inside. So yeah. we're going to pause. All right. We're inside now. No lawnmower. And that was, uh, I was just talking about my recap of seeing Linda Greenlaw, who wrote the book Shiver Hitch that just came out that Emily and I both read and talked about in a recent episode. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the third book in her Bunker series. Yeah, her yeah. third mystery, yeah. Yep. yeah. Okay. Upcoming adventures. I think we have a joint jaunt coming up, which we I think we've mentioned already, but we'll mention it one more time. It's Wiki Wang, her new book, Chemistry, and she's going to be at the Wesleyan R.J. Julia bookstore, I believe it's Thursday. Thursday, yeah, this Thursday. Yeah, which yeah. is June 29th. Mm-hmm. And then, and then we have July 7th. We're actually going to be seeing Laura Toma. Woo-woo! Laura Toma, um, my wife, and the <laughs> author of Mastering the Art of Self-Expression, which is a creative journaling workbook. She's going to be there that evening in conversation with John Valerie. So come on out, check it out. The book is available for purchase there at the Book Club Bookstore in South Windsor, Connecticut. And that's July 7th. Right, and um, we're going to have a little special episode, 19, look for it. It's coming out on our off week, and it's our first author spotlight. Author spotlight, yep, that'll come July 4th. Yes. Check it out. So yeah, that, so that's our uh, upcoming Joint Johns. Upcoming reads. Sure, Um, I have one that I actually just picked up, um... Jack Be Quick is the title. The author is Benjamin Thomas. And I saw this when I was at the book club bookstore uh, when we went up to drop Laura's book off. Um, he is going to be there 
July 29th, and I thought I'd pick it up. It looks like a really good read. It's a mystery. Benjamin Thomas is a New England writer, and he got his MFA from Albert Mangus College mm. in New Haven, which is a college you don't necessarily hear a yeah. lot about. Um, so I'm looking forward to reading that. It's a, a mystery. Uh, and there's an attempt, uh, someone is attempting to honor Jack the Ripper. I'm not a Jack the Ripper fan, but as a 19th century enthusiast, that tends to draw my eye. Yeah. So that's why I picked oh, that one Interesting. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I got this weird package in the mail last week from my financial advisor. And I'm thinking, what the hell is he sending me in a box? Well, out pops this book. Hack Proof Your Life Now. The new cybersecurity rules protect your email, computers, and bank accounts from hacks, malware, and identity theft. Shot by Sean M. Bailey and Devin Kropp. And, you know, I haven't spent much time with it. I feel like it is something that I should look at. And particularly, there's a section that's how to hack-proof your life. And it's a checklist. And it talks about things like having a secret email address just for your financial accounts and using a password manager and how you can set your router which is you know what we use to access the internet to be encrypted one step further than what we're used to doing and things like that so I just thought you know if my financial advisor took the time to send these to people um, and you hear more and more about identity theft and things like that I just thought I would mention it to everybody Um, I'm not speaking from experience with it yet but Seems like something, you know, a good check out of the library or something like that just to, mm-hmm. to check what you're doing for your cybersecurity. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Again, that's Hack Proof Your Life Now by Sean M. Bailey and Devin Kropp. And then I also plan to crack the binding of Jamie Ford's Love and Other Consolation Prizes, hopefully starting this week. Very cool. Another one that I picked up, uh, picked up at Book Expo. Nice. All right, so next we have an unveiling. Yes, something very <laughs> exciting. Speaking of Book Expo, we yeah. were like a couple weeks out from Book Expo, I guess, and the Book Cougars email, we get this lovely notice that we are the proud recipients of the raffle. We won the raffle for the New York Review Review of Books. Of books. I always yeah. get them confused. Yeah, they have so they have the publishing arm, um, the New York Review Books. Um what they're doing is they, they take older books that are out of print that are, you know, deemed worthy of getting fresh life. So they had a enter to win there at Book Expo, and we threw a business card in, and we're the lucky winners. And this huge box of books showed oh up, God. and we thought we kind of uh, unboxed it we here. We just opened it. And, um, and give you a rundown of the titles. Wow. Yeah, and we'll put these titles in the show notes. And I think maybe what we'll do is take a picture of the stack that and put it on good. social media, too. Yeah. So, it's a great you stack. Start with this so, one? there's a small book. It's like, what, five by five? Yeah. Agony Introduction by Colson Whitehead. And the author is Mark Bayer. And, and it looks like it's, it's cool. It's, it's a, a graphic novel. It's a graphic novel. Oh, it's so and cute. And it's square. And it's black and white line drawings. It looks really cool. The next one is Wish Her Safe at Home by Stephen Benatar. We have no idea what these books are yeah, about. Yeah, we're just going to read the titles to you One guys. thing, I always like their covers yeah, for the most part. Yeah, they're beautiful. Maybe yeah, we should take totally pictures of the covers, covers too. Yeah. The New York Stories of Elizabeth Hardwick. This is Tolstoy, Rasputin, Others, and Me. The Best of Teffy? Is that how you pronounce it? T-E-F-F-I? It looks like it. 
edited by Robert Chandler and Anne Marie Jackson. Hmm. In Love by Alfred Hayes. Introduction by Frederick Raphael. That one has a cool, another cool cover. cover. Uh, This next book is Loving by Henry Green. And the introduction is by Roxana Robinson. She's one of the writers in the New Haven Noir, I believe. That's the same. That's cool. Don't Look Now by Daphne du Maurier. Oh, that's awesome. So these are stories... A collection of stories. Wow. I'm looking forward to that one. Because I do want to read My Cousin Rachel. We talked about yes, reading that. we did. Because the movie's coming out, right? Yeah, is it that? is. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Ooh, creepy cover. Yeah. Dud Avocado <laughs> by Elaine Dundee. Very cool. That's interesting. Yeah, never heard of it. Yeah. Family Lexicon by Natalia Ginsberg. This is Elise Partridge. The If Borderlands. This is a collection of poems. Ooh, I'm excited. During the Reign of the Queen of Persia by Joan Chase. The Continuous Catherine Mortenhoe by D.G. Compton. The Vet's Daughter by Barbara Comes. Comes? C-O-M-Y-N-S is the name there. The Farm in the Green Mountains by Alice Hurden Zuckmayer. That is a beautiful cover. That is a beautiful cover. Uh, here's a, a thin book. This is The Invention of Morel. Yeah. Um, Adolfo Bio Cesares, maybe? Yeah. And then the last one is A Month in the Country by J.L. Carr, with two R's. And I should mention that all of these have either a prologue or an introduction by someone as well. Yeah. And this is also the group that um, when I did my gift recommendations of The Door by Magda Zabo. Mm-hmm. This is the group that published that book. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and they also did, oh, God, what is that? Stoner. Stoner, yeah, yeah. that everybody has been raging about yeah. for years yeah. now. Yeah. It's on a lot of people's top ten lists. This is amazing, this and is I'm so glad because neither of us have any books to read, so I'm oh so my glad God, we just got this huge stack. Been such... And then they also gave us this really cool tote bag oh, that nice. has, I, I think it's, is it? Yeah, it's some um, titles oh, of all neat. the books with these little cute circles. Oh, we'll have to take that's turns so using lucky. it. I know. I know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I never win anything, so it's really fun, and um, I like to think maybe we won because as I was throwing our business card into their little raffle thing, I said, "Oh my God, I love their books." <laughs> that lady get that card yeah so maybe i just get i i put our card in with a lot of good karma awesome thank yeah. you so much too for the publisher yeah for sending us these fantastic books very exciting do you know which one you'd want to read first no i have to read some backs before i make that decision the book yeah. of poetry is kind of exciting though i have to say i have to say i have heard of the dud avocado really that's a name that you couldn't forget if you've heard of it yeah you know what i actually wonder if i bought that book I wonder, I'll have to look when I get home and see if I have that. So it's a romantic work. Okay, romantic and comedic adventures of a young American who heads overseas to conquer Paris in the late 1950s. Edith Wharton and Henry Henry James wrote about the American girl abroad, but it was Elaine Dundee's Sally Joy Gorse who told us what she was really thinking. Charming, sexy, and hilarious, the dud avocado gained instant cult status when it was first published, and it remains a timeless portrait of a woman hell-bent on living. Ooh. Well, I could see with the Edith Wharton reference, maybe you did pick it up because of that. Maybe I did, yeah. Cool. 
Wow, everybody. Well, maybe what we'll do is some sort of fun giveaway with these as we read them, too. That could be really fun. Yeah. More to come on that. And we will post pictures of them. Well, we'll put a picture on the website, bookcougars.com, and we'll post some pictures of them on social media as well. Sounds good. Yeah. Happy reading, everybody. Happy reading. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to The Book Cougars with Emily Fine and Chris Wallach. If you have questions or comments, please feel free to email us at bookcougars at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under Book Cougars. Please consider leaving us a review on whatever app you use to listen to us. It can help other listeners find us. Thank you. Wow.